The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager, only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. All righty. Hello, everybody. Welcome Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. We are live tonight, and hopefully we're functional as we had some technical difficulties that have delayed us thus far. But we are live. I don't think we're live. Oh, we are live, I think. Yeah, okay. I think we are live. So this is the Evangelical Dark Web, and tonight we're going to be talking about Alan Parr versus Discernment Ministries. And I have asked me on to discuss this issue because it is his article. So we're going to use his resources as we discuss this issue tonight. Uh, can I get some chat interaction just to make sure I am live? Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, Anthony, how are you doing tonight? Um, I'm good. Uh, f- finally getting this article out in the open because uh, this one was on the back burner for the longest time. But uh Good to finally get this one out. Yeah, it, it is one of those instances where, you know, sometimes we follow the news, the news cycle dominates evangelical dark web, and then other times we set the news. Like we did earlier today with the uh, article in the Southern Baptist Convention and how they are advocating for gun control behind the backs of Southern Baptists. And that not- story... And when we talked about Brentwood Church, if I'm not mistaken, that blew up on social media a little bit because and, you know, the Southern Baptist Underground and uh, a bunch of the SBC dissidents got a hold of that article and they blew it up even more because they found like a statement from the church about the ordination of this female pastor who they're not going to call a pastor, but it's in all function. It's going to be a pastor. And yes, all the chat just suddenly appeared at once and it's. Great to see you guys. Uh, We did have some technical difficulties, uh, which is why we're delayed. And fashionably late is another way you want to call it. And if I'm not mistaken, that church uh, had a pastor retire at the beginning of the year or something. Uh, Mike Glenn appears to be the outgoing pastor. And I think they have another pastor coming in. And I think I remember it's just like, oh, they have women on the committee for the pastoral search committee. So there's your first red flag. I mean, they already had female pastors before that. But... 
And they failed a basic website check. And one of the things that I realized is just how bad the SBC, the Baptist faith and message was before 2000. Like the Baptist faith and message 1925 is trash. Like it's very, uh, it's not, you know, it's a very low reading level for that time period. And especially for faith statements, it's a very low reading level, basic reading level, but it's also Arminian. Like you, you can't be a Calvinist and agree with the BFM 1925. The 1963 tries to, you know, branch out. It, it tries to be a big tent, but it's just, it's not a good faith statement. And, you know, one of the reasons is it tries to be too much of a big tent. Oh, you're letting then, on, you're, le you're leading then, on with our future And then story. the Baptist faith and message uh, 2000 is actually, you know, it's, it's quite serviceable and it touches on hot button issues. Well, I'm wondering why a church that has been around a long time and is very much in bed with Big Eva and SBC politics, apparently, doesn't have the BFM 2000, and it's because they are ordaining women. That's one of the reasons. And they and they're a mega church. They don't want to, you know, have homosexuality or sexual immorality and or abort the issue of abortion in their faith statement. You know, which the BFM does. I, I thought that was very weird, but. That story is blown up on social media. So, but other times we set, uh, but yeah, that's an example of us setting the story. And you made reference to next week, hopefully next week, we're going to actually do the deep dive on can a Baptist be a Christian nationalist? We're going to do a deep dive on that topic next week. Hopefully, if we're not delayed further, it's all Stephen Wolf's fault for delaying this story which, you know, maybe we'll touch on tonight, but we are mainly going to be focusing on the topic at hand, and that's Alan Parr versus Discernment Ministries. And I already see some uh, other discernment bloggers on here in the chat, uh, Brian Babes, a nice shout-out, and uh, uh, Doctrinal Watchdog, who I'm pretty sure has definitely had some beef with Alan Parr in the past, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, this is kind of like a continuation of prior stories because uh, previously we touched on the internet beef with Mike Winger and Tim Hurd and Doctrinal Watchdog. So this is uh, touching on the internet beef with Alan Parr and discernment bloggers, which is which is interesting because it's not even like if you go into YouTube history, he's the one that fires the first shot, which I think makes this very interesting. And, and you know, it's usually always them who fires the first shot. Like the whole, uh, I, I hate the dichotomy. Like with the abortion debate is like they, they want to say that's abolitionist versus incrementalist, but it's really feminist versus Christians or people that hold a biblical worldview on the topic. That's really the dichotomy. And it's like, it's always the feminists taking shots at the uh, biblicists. I don't think that's the most proper term, but the people who want to apply God's word to the issue of abortion, it's always those people who are fired upon by the feminist. And that's what you're describing here with Ellen Parr and uh, uh, the other discernment ministries. So I take it, does he name names? Because I think he does, right? He's reticent to name names in general. But he um, does make reference. And that's, uh, I guess, what's noteworthy about this. So where do you want to begin with this story? And I guess in following the article, we can actually just kind of see um we can go to his most recent video which is the march 20 march 2023 and that's the video i got pulled up that you sent me uh yes it should be the second link 
Oh, this is December of 2021. The second link. Okay, so you want me to... We're going to start off with this link. All right, so here we go. Is there a minute mark you want me to get to? I'm going to start sharing screen. Yeah, you can do it immediate. It's only what a... It's a shorty. Okay. So... And you can talk, talk about the elephant in the room. There are a lot of videos circulating around YouTube claiming that me, Alan Parr, is a false teacher. And if I'm being honest with you, it bothers me. Like, I am a real human being. And what human being would not be bothered if you're out here trying to make godly biblical content and you have a crew of people out there that are making videos that are disparaging and discouraging their audience from following me and telling them to unsubscribe from my channel. I'd be lying to you if I wasn't at least a little bit tempted to make a response video. Here's B-roll footage for this. Yes, I mean, and just to give anyone a little background, especially if you're listening on like audio and you're not familiar with Christian YouTube, he is a 1 million subscriber channel. So he's basically twice the size of a Mike Winger. Uh, graduated from Dallas Theological Center. Uh, the Dallas Theological School. School. Yep. Um, and he does pretty much his entire ministry is an online ministry. Like, I don't think he's been a, like, a pastor formal church. church pastor since 2014. Oh, so wow. we're going on nearly 10 years outside of a formal church office with online being his uh, primary focus. He does sell a Bible. I mean, that's more honest than Mike Todd, who's an online pastor that, you know, maintains a facade of being a pastor at a local church. So that's more honest than that. Yeah. Uh, DTS meaning Dallas Theological Seminary. I don't know if they're woke or not. I know that I they pretty they much, are. they've been nowhere on the issue. And that's my charitable way to put it. They've been nowhere on the issue if they're not woke. But I do believe that they have had instances of compromise on this issue, like speakers or seminars, stuff like along those lines. I'm not entirely sure uh, uh, what exactly else they got. To all of the videos that have been made about me, because many of them misrepresent my views, they use sound bites, take certain things out of context. So I figured I would finally go ahead and respond to all of the negativity and the criticism that has been launched against me over the years. Now, why am I making this video? Because this isn't some sort of rant or uh, an attempt to clear my name or anything like that, because by now you all know me well enough to know that everything that I do on this channel is biblical, it's purposeful, and it is intentional. And so the real reason why I'm making this video is to hopefully model for you all how you should handle or respond to any sort of negativity or haters or criticism that might be unleashed in your life. So what? I've got about six reasons why I don't respond to most of, if not all of the criticism uh, that people have uh, shared on YouTube publicly about me. And I'm going to hopefully give you some biblical reasons that you can follow in your own life as well. I don't know if you just want so to pause it here. I, I want to pause it here because this is what I do to haters in the YouTube comment section. I troll them back. You well, cannot out troll a troll. And one of the things, this is one of the markers of a false teacher. Here's some, you know, discernment inside baseball here. False teachers hate criticism. They cannot 
stand criticism. One of the marks of being a false teacher is that they have refused correction. Like I think, you know, someone like Sadie Robertson Huff, for instance, I don't think has refused correction because I don't think correction has ever been offered. But he has actually, you know, correction has been offered in some sense. I don't know if he's a false teacher or not, just because I've done very little research. You know Christian YouTube better than I do, Anthony, which is why yeah, you're I mean, writing this article and, keep and doing this video. I mean, this was one of those cases where the more, like, I didn't start off very hostile, but it's just like, wow, the more I researched, the more rabbit holes I went down, the more frustrating it becomes, and the more you just kind of see a lot of the facade of Alan Parr. Like, to me, this is a very pompous reaction because again none of his six reasons actually matter for the purpose of discussion i call this a gospel juke where you proceed to say the gospel to obfuscate criticism he does not name who his critics are he doesn't he does not necessarily even point to what teachings of his that they're calling out and i know the one teaching they'll call out is i guess the doctrine on eternal security which i'm guessing it is a criticism he receives from Arminians who and Anabaptists who you know think you can lose your salvation kind of stuff. Right, but, but is he a Calvinist on this issue? Does he have the P and tulip? I don't. I think at, least, at the very minimum he has that. Well, has, I'm just saying because eternal security could be the once saved, always saved, which isn't tulip. Yeah, That's what uh, a lot of Baptist churches teach. But I think he, it's the. I guess the Arminian lose your salvation angle that he gets criticized for, but I'm not criticizing right. him for that. I'm generally criticizing him uh, for pretty much uh, I mean, liberalism right. uh, and covering up for false teachers. That's pretty much where it's par for it, the course on, you know, major Christian YouTube platforms. And keep in mind the articles title is how, or, and even the, I mean, the live stream indicates it, but, the article I had in mind's title is How Alan Parr Gatekeeps on Discernment. So my opening thesis is that Alan Parr is himself a discernment ministry. Though he might deny the title, he is a discernment blogger. And of his top 10 videos, eight of them are either discernment against law, large false churches or teachers, or they are about the excesses of the charismatic church movement. So... So no. he is a discernment blogger. And but... you know who else would qualify as a discernment blogger would also be TGC, the Gospel Coalition, and uh, the ERLC, technically, but and Al Mueller's The Briefing. So all these are discernment bloggers, but, you know, there is a point where once a discernment blog gets large enough, they don't want to call themselves a discernment blogger and be down here with the rest of us. Reason number one is that I don't want to get in the way of the gospel of Christ being preached. Now, in Philippians chapter one, the context here is that the apostle Paul has been unjustly put in prison for preaching the gospel. Now, while he was in prison, there were some people who were some haters of Paul. Maybe they were jealous of his ministry or whatnot. And they took the opportunity, knowing that Paul could not do what he wanted to do because he was in prison, Paul could not preach. Well, they took the opportunity to uh, to disparage Paul's name and to malign him and slander him and things like that. And so this was Paul's response here. He says, it's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. 
those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. So Paul is saying, hey, there are some people out there that are genuinely preaching the gospel, and hey, they've got great motives, they're pure motives, okay, good, kudos to you. But there's another group of people out there that they, Paul's like, they know that their motives are not really, you know, pure, right? Uh, and they intend to, to create emotional harm to Paul with their message. And he says, those people have impure motives. But notice Paul's response. He says, but that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that as you pray for me and the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. So Paul says, you know what? Even if their motives are impure, even if they are trying to tear me down and slander me and malign me, I'm not going to respond. I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to get in the way because at the end of the day, the gospel is still being preached. And so for many people who make response videos about me, if they're preaching the gospel, if people are coming to Christ or people are learning the word of God from their channel, far be it from me to do what they're doing, right? To discourage people from following these people simply because I might disagree with a point of doctrine here or there. Let me not get in the way of what Christ may want to do through their ministries uh, the way they may be trying to uh, discourage people from following my ministry. So that's the first reason. The second reason I don't dislike his first reason. Though. No, I, I do. I do. He's comparing himself to Paul and Jesus <laughs> okay, who were maligned, <laughs> for, who were maligned, slandered. And he's trying to say that, well, if the gospel is being preached, I don't care if I'm slandered. No, you're making money off this video. You're, I mean, you're comparing yourself to Paul who was but in chains. Oh, you're saying prison. he's trying to do, he's doing like an end around of like, I'm not actually doing. I'm not actually retaliating. I'm just making this video. Well, I mean, basically, this is this. I mean, you're comparing yourself to people that were slandered and wrongly imprisoned and the severity of their condition versus his condition. He's a modern YouTuber. He's going to make a lot of money off this particular video. I mean, that is more presumably that is more comparable to rappers uh, making competing diss tracks and then monetizing the the drama to pretty much perpetuate their career. Are you, are you saying he's trying to pull an Ethan Klein or a quartering? Yes. Okay. Or or like a East Coast versus West Coast rappers, basically trying to create a cult uh, or like, you know, basically trying to create drama in order to basically create a fandom. I mean, hey, you know, when you hire Sidney Watson, that's what happens. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, people. That That's YouTube these days and you know i'm not into youtube drama and now again i believe Twitter drama the, yes youtube drama no and i believe the inspiration for this video was jordan riley's video on alan parr and tim hurd also did like a like a echoing video of jordan riley's video okay so that is the i believe that is the origin of this video is that yeah i don't know jordan riley i'm familiar with who tim hurd is but not you know through other means is because if I'm being honest with you, I don't want to give them a platform. And what I mean by that is if you notice most of the people who make response videos 
about me or even some other people, if I'm being honest, most of them, uh, they're smaller channels, right? They're smaller channels. And if I'm being honest, a lot of times they put YouTubers who have larger platforms, their names and their pictures and their thumbnails because they're trying to get views. It's for shock value. They're trying to get momentum on their channel. It's the same thing that many secular YouTubers do. They put Mr. Beast, who is like the largest YouTuber in the world. They'll put his name in their title and their his face on their thumbnails because they know if other people see Mr. Beast on their thumbnail or their title, then they're going to be more uh, uh, inclined to watch that video or whatever, right? So I get that. Okay, that's fine. But for me to make a response video to a channel that a smaller channel that I don't agree with, and I name them, then what I'm doing is now I'm exposing my entire audience to their ministry and giving them a platform and giving them a voice. And uh, that's just not something that I want to do. Reason number three is that I do want to comment on this. I mean, that's I have, a, that is I, I have been asked to, uh, like, one time I was asked to go to look into this ministry. I'm like, this ministry has no traction. I'm, you know, and I, I'm like, I'm just going to give more attention to it if I, you know, look into this ministry and publish something on this ministry. And the ministry was a bunch of Christians in Silicon Valley trying to, you know, do the Facebook, we work in big tech and we're Christians, stuff like that type of ministry and podcasts. And it's like, there is not an audience for this. And I know that from, I know that for a fact from experience, there's not an audience for that. So I was like, there's no use in commenting on it, but he does make a valid point, but well, you know, that is how YouTube works. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, to me, he's just weaponizing the size of his platform. And this isn't the only instance I found of him doing this. This is a consistent tactic of his. He's not going to name names because he doesn't want to give those guys recognition. Doesn't, which also refers back to he doesn't want to address any of their arguments. Yes, um, but, and the idea that if you have little people giving you ideas or whatever, if you're downhill from people or up downstream, you're not going to give credit to the people who fed you information that you use to use a YouTube video. And thus blasted. So it does work in a, you know, in both ways, you know, it, you know, you can protect your brand by doing that, by not going after naming, you know, not elevating smaller channels, but you're also going to deny smaller channels credit when they contribute to content that you produce. So, or ideas and stuff like if I don't credit woke preacher clips, which is arguably a larger platform uh than myself but if you know if i make a video and don't credit him or uh, some of the other people out there and, and stuff that i am trying to avoid any sort of division in the body of christ the bible says again i say don't get involved in foolish ignorant arguments that only start fights listen if i make a response video to somebody who made a response video about me and then they make another response video. And then you got all these other YouTubers who are making these response videos about response videos about response videos. What's happening, y'all? It is furthering the debate. It's furthering the division. It's furthering all this back and forth. And it's not productive. That's why Paul says to Timothy, don't get involved in it. It's foolish. It's ignorant. And it only starts fights. He says, stay away from those things. So because I read the Bible and I see these verses, 
I'm staying away from it. I'm staying away from the drama. I'm staying away from responding because many of you have emailed me, say, hey, Brother Allen, did you see this video that somebody made about me or about you? And they'll send me these links and different things. And when are you going to respond? What's your response? How are you going to respond? My response is I'm not going to respond because the Bible clearly tells me that I need to stay away from any sort of foolish, ignorant arguments that are going to lead to division, strife, and fights. Not only that, guys, I am very, very confident in what I teach on this particular channel. And most of the channels that are, you know, launching these videos or whatever, they just have a slightly different or nuanced view about something that in my mind is secondary, right? And many of them, they'll say, oh, Brother Allen's a false teacher because he teaches eternal security, right? Or he teaches this particular nuanced view of this, that, or the other. I can tell you that the views that I hold are consistent with the views that I learned in Dallas at seminary, Dallas Theological Seminary, which is considered by many, and I'm not boasting, I'm just saying it's considered by many the Harvard of theological schools. I mean, what? this is the best theological school in the country. Come on. And most reputable Bible scholars. Andy Stanley is a. Yeah, I know. That was laughable. Tony Evans. Like, again, he's bragging about his educational degree, bragging about it's the size a of his channel. seminary. Um, I would argue a Southern Baptist seminary would be more akin to the Ivy League. But, but again, that, that's a ridiculous argument. Again, I don't consider a critical race theory a secondary issue. Um, no, it's a fault line. Yes. To use the Vody Bauckham term. But wow, that was I, that was cringe. I think he's still got his point to make. So I'm going to pause it again after he agree with point. about 98 to 99% of my theological teachings. What you're getting from this channel is, is not heresy or false teaching or strange teaching. That's different. It's consistent with Orthodox Christianity that has been passed down to us from generation to generation. I'm not making up any sort of new doctrine or anything like that. All right. So that's the next. Oh, one. did you see that suggest that there are serious problems with Joyce Myers? just popped up as a suggested video, which presumably is his, that's his video, his channel. He put that in there to notify you to check out a different video of his. That was a discernment video. So is Joyce Meyer a bigger platform and thus you're going after her and not elevating her? I, I don't know. Next reason. Now the fourth reason. Okay. So what do you think about that last reason? Because I I thought that I, I thought that his reasoning was pretty faulty there. Like he's obviously got a big ego. Like yes, he is, and the idea that they're going after him for eternal security—it's like I don't really think that's true. No, it's liberalism. It's uh, defending false teachers. It's his uh, his take on discernment video or discernment content. That and again, he fired the first shot. Most of the videos that are critical of Alan Parr are in response to his content on false teachers. That is where most of his, most of the YouTube drama stems from. I mean, the idea that again, the Dallas Theological Seminary yeah. is the Harvard of seminaries. You got to be kidding me! Yeah. If if like that, that's just mind numbing. 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Then might be the Hold on, we got most important, and that's the fact that it's a distraction, and it takes me off of my mission of preaching the gospel. Notice that uh, Paul says this, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Paul says, I'm on mission. I can't be distracted with all this extra stuff because my mission is to, is to point people to Christ, to tell them of the good news, the wonderful grace of God. Guys, if I were to trace down and, and track down all the different videos that have been made about me over the years, you know, I, my whole channel will be about trying to clear my name and refuting this and, rant, and going on a rant and trying to defend myself to this person, that person, this person, that person. I'm a Bible teacher. I don't have time to do those things. And so that's going to deter me and distract me from my mission. So what I want to encourage you all is that when hate and negativity and, cr and criticism comes in your life, make sure that you detect that as being a, an attack from the enemy that might be. Now, obviously, you, you, you need to assess whether the criticism is true. So always listen to it and see, okay, is there something I need to change? Okay, yes, do that for sure. Be humble, have a humble spirit about that. But after you've done that, see this as, you know, this might be the enemy trying to distract me from what it is God has called me to do in this moment or to discourage me so that I don't even have the mental and the, the, the emotional uh, state of mind to be able to focus and do what God has called me to do. So please be on guard for that. Okay, reason number five is because not engaging is, if I'm being honest, is more Christ-like. Notice what Peter says. He, speaking of Jesus, did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. See, so he says, hey, even Jesus, whenever Jesus was on the cross, when he was being reviled, when he was being insulted, Jesus did not open his mouth. He did not retaliate. He did not threaten revenge when he suffered. I'm saying a whole lot more about my character, and I'm not boasting, I'm just being honest with you, when I don't respond, as to when I do, because what I'm doing is I'm saying, you know, I'm going to rise above this. Yes, these people have made some videos and things like that, but I'm going to rise above it. And that's what I'm trying to model for you all. Rise above the negativity. Rise above. You're better than that, right? Rise above the haters and the critics, the critics in your life. Rise above that. You don't need to respond. Why? Because it says this next. He left his case. So I want to say, you know, John MacArthur is very famously for not responding while having Phil Johnson respond for him. I don't think that's a good look. Well, I mean, in general, no one's forcing him to make any video on any particular issue. I mean, I'm just taking that concept and applying it to John MacArthur for a second. Like, I don't think John MacArthur responded enough to the attacks and criticism that have been lobbied against him 
by Han show and others. So I don't think on principle, he's entirely right because. But who is he comparing himself to? And yeah, what? he's comparing himself to Jesus, which again, Jesus has his day of vindication and judgment and stuff like that. But more specifically here on earth, you know, one side sounds true until you hear the other side. So I think there's a practical reason to tell the truth and clear your name of any false accusations that have been lobbied against you. And do it once, make it, you know, a landmark, and then just say, I've already addressed this, and move on. But again, he doesn't address any of the te false teachings. Or uh, except any of for the... eternal security, which is, a, you know, that's a straw, not a straw man, but like, he's cherry picking an example. And he does that a lot. Example. That's that's how he analyzes things. It's a lot of cherry picking. Um, I mean, I'd say straw manning, but I'm sure someone actually accused him of that. Taste in the hands of God who always judges fairly. Jesus says, you know what? I don't have to do anything. God's going to fight for me. God's going to handle these people. God is going to deal with these people. And that's the mentality I have, guys. I can't tell you how many times people made videos about me and then they'll email me months later, Brother Parr, I made a video about you on my YouTube channel and I just want to say the Lord convicted me about it. I had the wrong spirit. I shouldn't have said that. Man, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'm going to take the video down. You know what I do? Hey, that's okay, brother. That's okay. I understand. God is dealing with people. And, and, and that's something, guys, when people are coming against you, trust God to deal with them. Trust the spirit of God who lives in them to work on their hearts the way God is working in your life. And finally, number six, I choose to take the high road. Notice what it says here. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. You see, whenever you respond in negativity, what you're doing is that you are allowing someone else to control you by taking you out of your Christian character. They are taking you from a place of operating in the spiritual realm to now responding in a fleshly realm. You're letting somebody else dictate and control your character. The Bible says, don't let that evil control or conquer this or overcome you, point. but rather conquer that evil by what? Doing good. So to say a whole lot more about your character, if you just don't respond. So guys, I mean, that's okay. again, I was reading earlier today. I mean, obviously there's times when you do respond. I mean, look at Jesus when he's accused. He says, so he tells the Sanhedrin Sanhedrin, that they won't believe what he's going to say. If he were the son of God, they wouldn't believe him anyway. Well, but mean, he the, still answers their, you know, their charge. He still answers when he says that the, you will see the son of God seated on the right hand at the throne or I mean, when, when a, he says that. In there's Luke. a difference between responding to Herod versus responding to Caiaphas. So or I mean, Pilate. Or Pilate. Like, There's a complete difference here, and he's just eisegeting scripture like crazy. Like the well, one point that he made about you know division in the church, isn't he citing the passage on vain ideology or sorry, not vain ideologies, uh, like the uh dynasty, like the lineage, you know, tracking down lineage and using all these mathematical equations and stuff like that? He's talking about that verse in Timothy, right? That yeah. passage. About not. sowing division using lineage, I'd probably have to check it. But I mean, like, I mean, this like last taking that like that what that last passage he took way out of context. Well, the, the last, the last, any point, negativity is unbecoming of a Christian. No, there's a time for that. I mean, the last point is entirely pop psychology. It, yeah, exactly. That that was an entirely a pop psychology reading of scripture that was not biblical whatsoever. Is this the type of caliber 
that he brings to uh, any sort of theological discussion, like any sort of teaching of scripture, this is the caliber of teaching that I'm to expect. Now, because can... I, I don't know Alan Parr, I don't listen to Alan Parr, but yeah, that's it's... what he brings to the Bible. That's how he teaches the Bible. It's like way out of context. I mean, he doesn't recognize that Jesus brings about the negativity quite a bit. It, you know, read the book of Matthew. Like I'm in the middle of reading the gospel of Matthew right now, you know, and it's, you know, one of the major pressing themes is the Jews rejection of Christ. That is one of the pressing themes of the gospel of Matthew. So Jesus dealt with negativity a lot. Uh, and is this the end? Of, is this all we need to see of this video? And, yeah, probably. I mean, and what video are we going to next? I sent you the link. It's time stamped. This is the video. Like the link I sent you is the video that probably started it all as far as Alan Parr's discern, uh, firing the first shot, which is December 3rd, 2021. So we're going back a couple years just to see where Alan Parr fires the first shot. This is all the, all the, um, I guess everything else every video from uh like you a major... sent me it without the time you said send it to me with the timestamp at the 445 mark or whatever that's the one you want right uh yes all right so here we go about calling out or identifying false teachers now on the surface, it might seem as though they are simply trying to help you identify or stay away from false teachers. But what's really going on behind the scenes is that they oftentimes are using shock value in their titles and their thumbnails to psychologically make you think that you might be deceived by listening to one of these false teachers. And so therefore, once again, similar to category number one, they're trying to keep you dependent upon them. They want you to come back to their channel again and again because hey if i don't i might just be deceived by listening to this person or that person and this person and all the world doing this hold on that was Anley stanley andy stanley was one of those faces tim keller i want to say and i want to say i saw john piper i i gotta don't i might just be deceived by listening to this person or uh is that great craig rochelle i, I can't that like person that. and this person and all the while they're doing this so that their views get skyrocketed their ad revenue goes through the roof and therefore just that just for the record if you're listening to Andy stanley or john piper high chances of being deceived high chances. no keep in mind which is how he uh, opens this video saying he's not here to malign anyone's motives he kind of does a i'm not here to say that anyone that's doing these things is is operating under false pretense or false motivation just establish a bad motive and exactly doing that and keep in mind uh channel number one is uh the like type of three, channel yeah the types of channels so it's three youtube christian youtube channels you need to subscribe from uh first one was false prophets uh like so your charismatic false prophets that was number one okay. then discernment Pretty bloggers standard. is number two and then number three is like these self-help christians like I guess Christian influence. Does he type. say discernment bloggers by name? I think he's he does not identify any, but in no, this, but he calls it discernment bloggers. Uh, he might say. I mean, he's talking about it right now, where it's like channels that call out false teaching or discernment. Okay. But he's already kind of maligned their motives, saying that they're just in it for clout and chasing algorithms and using someone's name with clickbait to gather attention for I mean, themselves. I'm not going to say that doesn't exist, but. 
the people that do that don't get very far in this. Well, let's just be honest. He's the one that's using clickbait in his video. The video title, this video has a clickbait title, three YouTube channels you need to subscribe from now with, you know, exclamation point. It's a call to action. Yeah. Now, this, this was the video that I believe featured at one point, uh, Colin Miller. Uh, it had oh, fight for truth. Yes. It had his, um, I guess his thumbnails in the video and it also had Bible treasure. It had, I don't know that channel. I'm not too familiar either, but those two channels made response videos in response to this video because their, I guess their content was like blurred out, but it was their content in the video. Really? Yes. We as Christian YouTubers or YouTubers in general actually make a living. Now, while there might be a place in the body of Christ for calling out false teaching and false teachers, the question we really have to ask is, is it appropriate to make an entire ministry out of this? Is there anyone in the Bible, Peter, Paul, Jesus, or any of these people who made an entire ministry or entire channel out of just calling out false teachers? I don't see that pattern in the scriptures. What I do see is sometimes that might be part of what they do, but primarily their role is to edify and build up the body of Christ. Listen, if all of my videos were simply about teaching you how to identify a counterfeit dollar bill, then how would that actually help you in your walk with God? How would that help you actually identify what is true? So on my channel, as of the recording, I have about 560 videos. This is a cliche example brought up because, and I don't think it's as helpful as people think that it is because if you're, you know, top, you know, you look at the top 10 largest churches in the United States, how many of them are have sound teachers? Yeah, exactly. I mean, so you can study the you know the dollar bill all you want, but if you're not going to tell people that hey, this bank is giving you phonies, you know, are you, you know, this dollar bill is debased? Are you, how much, how helpful are you really being? There's but an it, edification to discernment ministry. But this was the video that had Colin Miller. At fight for truth respond um but yeah i mean alan parr he's a hypocrite entirely because he uses clickbait to monetize every single video he makes it's all clickbait in the title um and yeah, again, i mean this is a very buzzfeed level title. he has prejudicial uh, attacks against anyone that does discernment ministry he's already he says he doesn't want to question their motives but he already is questioning he's their motives. already established bad motivation yes and Basically, he's saying, you know, they don't build up and edify the church. But the and I, I disagree with that. Well, the implication is, you know, his channel does. They don't do it, but his channel does. I mean, but he also makes it seem like they're predatory. So they they need you to rely on this channel for discernment. And again, one could say that's he's trying to gatekeep people within his ecosystem. But. It, it, that that is i mean how much more of a maligned motivation could you have for someone other than saying that they're predatory and making you dependent on them in order to understand scripture you're basically saying you know these people want to be their their own popes and and basically dictate what is and is not scripture but yeah i mean you said it the largest churches in america all have false teaching how many churches sing hillsong elevation and bethel music and how many people are willing to call that out? How many ministries, Gospel Coalition, either Christian Post, Christianity Today. Yeah, you know what the largest, like I, I checked out the stats for 
relevant magazine. They are huge. And they don't talk about hot button issues, which is strange, but they're huge. Uh, Desiring God is probably the biggest. That's not a Bible or got questions is probably the biggest website. That's not a Bible app in this, in the category of website. Then it's like the desiring God is up there. And then uh, TGC is also up there. So these sites are huge. And they're leading people astray. Not as much Desiring God, because I think they have some good people around there. But, you know, John Piper, I think, does. And, but, let's, be, and let's be real. Mike Todd was propelled to stardom because of his relationship goals. If people could recognize counterfeits easily, then Mike Todd would never have been a star. Exactly. So there is some edification in studying how counterfeits are made. Because a lot of people can't tell the difference. And Mike Todd's a counterfeit. He's not a wolf in false. He's not a wolf in sheep's clothing. He is a counterfeit. There's, there's a difference. That's the difference between what I call a category five false teacher, which is a counterfeit, and a category four, which is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Videos on this channel, maybe 10 of them are about false teachers and identifying false beliefs and things like that. The rest false. of them are about building you up, giving you what you need to understand about truth and Christian doctrine. Because at the end of the day, if I teach you truth, then I don't have to point out all these different people who may be false teachers. You will have the discernment, my friend, to be able to do all of that by no, yourself. So be careful with these well, channels because there is a lying. difference between. He's actually lying because eight of his top 10 videos were discernment in, in nature. Are these the only. How many videos have you said? Less than 10? Yeah. And those are eight less... of his most popular. And I'm I'm saying eight of his top 10 are. Right. His most popular videos. Yes. Eight of them are discernment. Would yes. Categorize whether that. they be churches, whether they be talking about excesses. Of... And the little pop-ups for videos on his channel that have appeared on this while we've been watching him are generally all discernment related. Like I saw one that had like Francis Chan, Joyce Meyer a bunch of names uh tim mackey like they're oh, discernment okay. that, related that's our next uh assignment okay are we done with this assignment probably because he get he goes on to talk about the christian influencers like some which i don't actually which so, i guess would which be video like am this. i going to now uh it is sent so this is the big money shot and honestly he did not get enough crap for this video which is why we're going to on this, this whiteboard today. is a list of six very well-known Bible teachers. You have John Piper of desiring God. You have former mega church pastor, Francis Chan. You, you have current mega church pastor, Stephen Furtick of elevation church. You have current mega church pastor, Andy Stanley of North point church in Atlanta, Georgia. And you also have Tim Mackey, who is the lead narrator of the Bible project with over 2 million subscribers. And there's a mystery name at the bottom that may shock you because if you take any of these men's names and you go to the YouTube search bar and you type in their name, followed by the letter F, you will undoubtedly see Andy Stanley, false teacher, Francis Chan, false teacher, Stephen. Uh Bernie, true. false teacher, true. Tim Mackey, false teacher, I and the list it. goes on. Because all of these men have been labeled as false teachers, what I want to do in this video is I want to evaluate the claims that have been made against these men and whether they are valid enough to really label someone as a false teacher. And for the record, I, I want to pause, oh, we need to, pause. to do an inventory on, I, I write these things called discernment verdicts, verdicts, right? And 
uh, was that six names? Four of them I've written verdicts on. Uh, Tim Mackey's the only one I haven't, but I do suspect that he is. So, but I haven't written about it because not enough people have asked me to write about Tim Mackey. Uh, the by the way, yet. spoiler alert, the sixth mystery teacher is him. Oh, wow. Yes. Wow. Yes. He thinks that highly of himself. Now, again, this is one of his most watched videos. It has uh, 1.02 million views. So this was on his top 10. And, you know, he phrases a question. This is a good headline, minus the fact that it's way too long. Well, to me, each of these people is worthy of their own video, which, I mean, it's like a, what, 24-minute video? So, um, I, I, wow. Are we going to go hard on this? Because We probably I can go, can't. We probably can because we will I, have I, to go hard on this. I, now, again. I got to go hard on this. Because all uh, John Piper, I said, was a, a Category 3. Not quite a false teacher. The highest warning I can give without labeling some of the false teachers. That is a category three. He's the most benign on this list. Yes, because he's a category three. Everyone else is a category four or a five. Francis Chan, I believe, is a false teacher. Uh, Stephen Furtick is an obvious false teacher. Andy Stanley is an obvious false teacher. And then Tim Mackey, I haven't researched, but he has very weird views on hell. Uh, he's very woke. Like, there's not a lot of good there even though the bible project everything i've seen from it is good but you know he used that as the bait and switch in my opinion so and keep in mind this no is may of 2021 this when is may this of, okay so may of 2021 it comes out a little bit before the previous video we showed but this is his so the previous video where he said don't follow discernment videos discernment youtubers this one came out before that yes but this is his like foray into discernment if you had to pick a video one way or the other towards any of these six individuals and so this is going to be a very unbiased review so let's oh, start with wow. number one john piper john piper has been largely criticized for teaching a false gospel of salvation by works plus faith he has been criticized for the position that he takes wow. on this idea of faith alone not being enough to accomplish someone's salvation but you actually have to add some works in there and if you combine your works with faith alone then you will be justified and you will get to heaven in his article on his website entitled does god really save us by faith alone piper writes this in final salvation at the last judgment, faith is confirmed by the sanctifying fruit it has borne, and we are saved through that fruit and that faith. And so by using the words final salvation, it is somewhat confusing as to whether he feels as though the current salvation that we have now is secure enough. And it seems to be on the surface that he is teaching this idea that there is a final salvation that we have to achieve. And the only way that we achieve that is by bearing some sort of fruit or adding some sort of works to faith alone, which is really making it not faith alone. But let's keep going. Later on in this article in a section entitled, How Are We Ultimately Saved? Piper says this, these works of faith and this obedience of faith, these fruits of the Spirit that come by faith are necessary for our final salvation. No holiness, no heaven. Let's just stop right there. It seems on the surface that Piper is basically saying that faith alone will put you in the position in order to have the opportunity to be saved because you will be made right with God. But in order to actually be saved and actually get to heaven, you have to add to that works of faith, works of obedience, fruit of the Spirit. And let's keep going. 
So we should not speak of getting to heaven by faith alone in the same way we are justified by faith alone. And then later on he says this, essential to the Christian life and necessary for final salvation is the killing of sin and the pursuit of holiness. So on the surface, it sounds like Piper is basically saying, hey, if you want to get to heaven, you got to kill your sin. You have to live a holy life. You have to live a perfect life. I got to pause right here because first of all, I hate Piper's writing style and how he, he's the epitome of someone who uses the gospel as a Trojan horse for bad and un, you know, unbiblical ideology. Although if you're going to call John Piper a false teacher, this isn't where I would have gone with that. Like, wow, no. I, I was unaware of this. I mean, honestly, but yeah, like, this is bad. This is actually like, pretty bad. Like again, I don't like the idea of a final salvation. It's, you know, one atonement on the cross, you know, paid the penalty for everyone's sin. There's no final salvation to come. There's, you know, judgment. There's glorification. There's the steps, you know, but the salvation is done. And God preserves the saints. I mean... To like, me, like, this was a miss a moot point because, again, these aren't the real criticisms of John Piper. I mean, but this, as a criticism, should raise an eyebrow. But, I mean, this goes back to Alan Parr cherry picks a lot of the criticisms he'll talk I about mean, and then ignore the others. He's not going to talk about Christian hedonism. I mean, his point is not, understood. He didn't but, talk about Christian hedonism, and he didn't talk about uh, I mean, John Piper being woke. Yes. or Both of how, which would have come out before this video was made. Or how he wouldn't shoot a person breaking into his house. I mean, again, there's a lot of liberalism and yeah, John Piper is liberal in an Anabaptist direction. So, but you know, he, he you know, he takes a very strong stance about role playing and sexual relations in marriage. Very strong stance against that. Not a strong stance against you know, uh, critical race theory, homosexuality in the church, or. Uh, any hot button issues. I don't know if he's ever talked about transgenderism. Obedient life. And if you do that, you will go to heaven. But if no holiness, then no heaven. So is this enough to label John Piper as a false teacher? Okay. I'm going to reserve that until later on in this video. Next up on the list is Click former bait. mega church pastor Francis Chan. Chan was the lead and founding pastor of Cornerstone Church in California, which at its height had over 6,000 members. But since then, he has come up with a new idea of what the church should be about and therefore is focusing now on doing church in homes and basically trying to do more of a discipleship model. Now, the controversy surrounding Francis Chan is that in recent years, he has accepted invitations to speak at conferences where he has shared the stage with many Bible teachers who many in the evangelical space would label as false teachers. People like Todd White or people like Benny Hinn or Bill Johnson from Bethel Church. And while he is on stage, it seems on the surface that he may be endorsing these men and their ministries. Here's a clip. The other thought I had is I'm watching all this. Gosh, there has been some amazing teaching today. Man, I, that was the first time I heard Daniel. I was like, whoa, he is bringing it. That's the first time I heard Todd preach live. And I'm going, oh my gosh, these are bold, bold men of God that are not backing down. They're just laying it out fearlessly. And I'm so grateful for that. But it made me think. So the question is, is Francis Chan endorsing these men? And if so, does that qualify him as a false teacher? Well, after this was done, 
Francis Chan responded with an article on his website, and I'm gonna read quite a bit of it, but I'm gonna link the entire article in the description below so that you can read the entire thing. He says, I am asked to speak at approximately 500 events a year. I decline approximately 90% of the requests. It's a difficult this. thing to do. Oftentimes, I decline because other speakers will be at the event who believe almost exactly what I believe. My reasoning is that it may be a waste of kingdom resources for all of us to be there speaking largely to people who already agree with us. It seems more effective to speak where there is less Bible teaching. It has not been my practice to ask who will share the platform with me and to research the other speakers. While some may be dear friends, there are many that I know little about. This current experience has caused me to consider exercising more caution and to develop a team to help me research. That being said, I speak in many places where I am not in alignment theologically. I actually believe that is where I can be most effective as long as they give me freedom to address anything I believe the Lord wants me to address. And then later on in the article, Chan says this, I recognize now more than ever that sometimes my participation can give the impression that I align with every other speaker at the event. Yes. I'm not sure what to do about that other than to tell you that I don't. Unless the elders of my church direct me differently, I will continue to be found preaching in venues with those I disagree. I will preach in just about any kind of setting if I'm given freedom to preach from any passage of scripture. The elders and I are trying to come up with more safeguards for future events to hopefully prevent misunderstandings. Pray for us. Now, there may be some other concerns with Francis Chan, but the question is this. Is this enough to label Francis Chan as a false teacher, keeping in mind that Jesus oftentimes was found hanging out with people who Christians during this day would consider to be false teachers? Even one time, Jesus went over to the home of a Pharisee and broke bread with them. Would we have excommunicated Jesus and called him a false teacher if Jesus took a selfie with that Pharisee? This is a Jesus juke. So, this is a terrible Jesus juke because what was Nicodemus? What was Joseph of Arimathea? Were they Pharisees? Yes, they were the two that actually like, opposed his yeah. crucifixion. Now, again, yeah, Francis Chan is. So I, I, I pulled up the uh, Francis Chan verdict on my phone. I rate labeled him a category four verdict. Various discernment ministries have proven beyond a reasonable doubt that Francis Chan is a false teacher. So that one I did a little bit differently because I talked about what other discernment ministries have said, but I ultimately agreed with them uh, based on unsubstantiated faith healing claims, uh, ecumenicalism in a bad way. And then, uh, and that had to do with his association with false teachers and then uh, various heresies that he's preached or affiliated with one of them was a new apostolic reformation which he was affirming in the video that uh alan parr just show showcased uh little god's doctrine uh he's definitely delved into that and chris rosebro rosebro of fighting for the faith uh breaks that down and then is francis chan woke and john harris has talked about that and pro shown that he was woke so i think there's a ton of uh, evidence that you could point to about Francis Chan, how questionable he is. But again, you want to bring up this chat here. Uh, Fran Chan always looks constipated. He always sounds constipated too. Uh, I, I don't, I don't get it. I am, I am like uh, Tom Hanks in the movie big. Yeah. I don't get it. And that that's how I feel about Francis Chan. It's also how I feel about John Piper. I don't get the appeal of them. They're very hyper emotional cry, baby, cry baby preachers to me. 
Uh, same with David Platt, Matt Chandler. I don't get it. I don't think they're that good at preaching. Uh, they- no, keep in mind, his, his uh, like, according to Alan Parr, the only thing that's wrong with Francis Chan is associations. Yeah, like the only has- thing. And again, Alan Parr has some questionable associations himself. He did a live stream with Marcus Rogers. He did Eric Mason, which is a different article I have in the queue. And also Priscilla Shire. Hey, gold hallelujah. Is Francis Chan a false teacher because he associates or shares the platform with other people who we may consider the false teachers? Um, I'm going to reserve that to a little bit later on in this video. Spoiler alert, he doesn't say they're false teachers. And to be honest, I would affirm that association alone does not make someone a false teacher. That's part of the metrics. And I think, you know, if you have uh, metrics that are transparent in how you evaluate teachers, then, you know, better the better off your discernment and judgment will be. Now, keep in mind, on the- he has 500 uh, speaking requests a year. Yeah, I mean, 365 days. You can't do 500 in a year. And if you can do 50, that gives you plenty of time for travel, relaxation. And maybe, you know, if you're going to Hillsong in Australia to do your speaking engagement, that's preventing you from a logistics standpoint from doing other speaking engagements. And maybe your fee is too much for some of these smaller outlets. So the volume of speaking engagements is not a, I guess, positive response. It's actually, it's not. it actually makes it worse. List is well-known megachurch pastor of Elevation Church, Stephen Furtick. Now, Stephen Furtick has been largely criticized also because of some of the prosperity preachers that he aligns or associates with or looks up to, namely Bishop T.D. Jakes and Joel Osteen. In addition to that, Furtick has been largely criticized for some very significant theological errors. In one sermon that he preached called Ghosted, he was criticized for teaching this heretical doctrine of modalism, which is the idea that God the Father doesn't really exist in three persons. He just changes forms, and so sometimes he's God the Father. And then other times he's God the Son, and then at other times he is God the Holy Spirit, and he exists in these three modes, but not these three modes or persons, if you will, uh, at the same time. And here's a clip of what Furtick said. Now Jesus is taken from their sight and hidden in a cloud, but he did not leave. He just changed forms. He did not disappear. He just was no longer visible. Instead, he was internal. Now, to be fair to Stephen Furtick, I think it's a... Fun fact, I think this is the most watched video on this channel is, is on the Stephen Furtick modalism. That's the most watched video on this channel. It was also one of the first videos that I ever put on this channel, too. So, fun fact. Stretch to automatically label him as a false teacher simply because he used the phrase, Jesus has changed forms, right? You can make an argument that Jesus changed forms from being... Uh, in the flesh, human body, to actually ascending to heaven. You can make an argument for that. So I don't think that this little soundbite, this clip enough, is really uh, sufficient to basically say that Stephen Furtick is a false teacher. But there is another clip several years ago where Stephen Furtick basically made a bold statement and said, God broke the law for love. Here is the clip. You're probably familiar with it. I've done that video too. really turn your heart to God is not when you hear his laws, which were given for our good, by the way, but they were powerless because there wasn't enough leverage in our action to keep the law. So what God did when he sent his son, and this is why we get excited in church, and this is why tears fill our eyes when we think about Jesus, and this is why the gospel is still good news in the world today, because God broke the law for love. I said to every sinner, God broke the law for love. 
Now, I'm not exactly sure what Furtick is referring to here as it relates to God breaking the law for love, but what I believe he's saying is that God gave us the moral law, thou shalt not murder, but then God put his own son on the cross and murdered him as an expression or a display of his love for us, and in doing so, God can be found guilty of breaking the law for love. Now, I don't believe I would have ever painted the picture or communicated in any way that God was guilty of breaking the law because that communicates that God has a relationship with the law that he doesn't have. God is not under any sort of law like we are, and so therefore God can't be guilty of ever breaking the law. Now, there are several other things that Stephen Furtick has been criticized for, like teaching a man-centered gospel and many of his sermons being man-centered, but is that enough to label Stephen Furtick as a false teacher? Yes. I'm going to reserve my final verdict on Stephen Furtick for a little bit later in this video. Number yes. four on this uh, list is current megachurch pastor Andy Stanley. So keep in mind, I don't think he actually introduced the context behind the, the broke the law statement. So instead, he actually makes up the context for Stephen Furtick. He makes up the context. He he basically inserts his own context into his sermon to justify it. And he'll do that with Andy Stanley. But, I mean, Jesus fulfilled the law, not broke it. I mean, at, at most, I mean, the biggest thing, obviously, he you could say he violated the law when he assaulted the people in the temple, driving them away with a whip. I mean, that's technically assault in our modern definition. But... but that's his house. Yeah. So. Or he violated like pharisaical rules, like hand washing. Uh, yeah. Charles points out, no, most people think Jesus actually broke the Sabbath. I yeah, mean, that, that is a thing, but I mean, uh, Jews, yeah, Jews might. That's another claim. That, that yeah. might actually be the context of that Stephen Furtick claim had to do more with the Sabbath. Which again, uh, but he words it to saying Jesus dying on the cross was God murdering his son. Like that was Alan Parr's context to that quote. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's the but actual again, context. He's going out of his way to justify Stephen Furtick. And again, the Babylon Bee makes fun of Stephen Furtick. Yeah, I was about to bring that up because I, I just pulled up my verdict on Stephen Furtick. And if you're made, if you're a teacher that's been made fun of by the Babylon Bee, like as in, you know, called out as a false teacher for the Babylon Bee, because I believe the Babylon Bee article was. You know, there's like an NFL uh, replay review style over whether something that Stephen Furtick said was actually biblical or not. Like that's the Babylon B article. Well, the Babylon B would be like he got he you know got lost in his own mansion. It's something like, more that. Like, yeah, like or he got a tattoo of himself. Oh, they have that one, they have that one. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, but yeah, if you if they're calling you out, the Babylon B is calling you out. You know, you, you're a bridge too far. For most evangelicals. Now, Andy Stanley is the son of the world-famous Baptist preacher, Dr. Charles Stanley. Rip. Rest in peace. Who, by the way, if you type his name into the YouTube search bar, followed by the letter F, you'll also see Dr. Charles Stanley, false teacher. Now, Andy Stanley has also largely been criticized for some things that he has said regarding the relationship of the believer to the Old Testament, and it seems on the surface that he is suggesting that the entire Bible is no longer inspired and that Christians should really only see value or have relationship with the New Testament, and we need to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. Here's a short clip on what Andy Stanley said about the Old Testament. The Old Covenant Law of Moses was not the go-to source regarding sexual behavior in the church. More this is the second most watched YouTube video on this channel. 
If not, it might actually surpass the first most watch, but I don't think it's done that yet. But it will be eventually do so. Importantly, fun fact, <laughs> and perhaps more disturbingly, if that's a word, or offensively, the Old Testament, or the Law and the Prophets, as they called it, was not going to be the go-to source for any behavior in the church. Now, to make this point, because this is so important, I originally in my notes, I was going to put a screen up here that said, in other words, that means thou shalt not obey the Ten Commandments. But I knew someone would take a picture of that. And it would define me for the rest of my life. So I'm not gonna put it up there, but I want you to hear me say it. Here's what the Jerusalem Council was saying to the Gentiles. You are not accountable to the 10 commandments. You're not accountable to the Jewish law. We're done with that. God has done something new. And then later on, he says this. Thou shalt not obey the 10 commandments because those aren't your commandments. Yours are better. And yours are far less complicated, but they are far more demanding. Finally, later on in the sermon, he says this. Peter, James, Paul elected to unhitch the Christian faith from their Jewish scriptures. And my friends, we must as well. Now, I may get in trouble for this, but I agree with Stanley in the sense that the requirements of the New Covenant are certainly less complicated, but more demanding than that of the Old Testament. Let me explain. He's wrong, but he's also a dispensationalist like Andy Stanley, you know, Dallas Theological Seminary here. Uh, I think there's a connection here, but he's actually going to defend Andy Stanley's views on this. Yes. Keep there's mind. a lot more you can go off of with Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley on homosexuality, which should have been known in 2021 because well, he, he preached on it in he, 2012. Keep in mind, the summation of the law is the summation of the Ten Commandments. Yeah. So right. first and foremost, second of all, the Jerusalem Council had to do with uh, kosher. Judaizing. Yeah, Judaizing, kosher, circumcision. And they said, Not no, Ten Commandments. you have to just... Uh, you just have to uh, refrain from sexual immorality. Uh, I think there's also something about the meat. Yes. Meat sacrificed idols, but yeah. And again, uh, it goes, and uh, again, Andy Stanley's a litany of discernment. And this is 2021, so it's not like, you know, it's right after uh, he preached this, but Andy Stanley's been on on blast for a decade. You went back to 2012. Well, his views on homosexuality should have been known in 2012. They, or they were known in 2012. They just didn't raise the sufficient attention and lasting impact uh, that they should have had uh, for his views that were expressly communicated in 2012. But again, I mean, Parr's basically doing the exact same thing with he did with Furtick, which is you're basically going to reword Andy Stanley's message to so, justify him. How, how does he feel about Andy Stanley's next uh, Irresistible where he teaches that we can unhitch the uh, Bible from the gospel? And how could the, how so could he, the apostles... He doesn't stop at the New Testament. He's, or he doesn't stop at the Old Testament. He goes right to the New Testament. And how could the apostles have un unhitched the faith from the Jewish scriptures when in the epistles they quote the scriptures a lot as far as like Paul refers back to Genesis um, and again, a litany of other passages. I mean, there's a lot of Old Testament. What he's doing is affirming neo-Marcionism. Yes. Which is the heresy that teaches that the God of the Old Testament and New Testament are different gods. And, and this is a newer form of that, but that's basically what it is. 
And the Old Testament holds people to the same standards as the New Testament. If you read it more closely, you know, the idea that God judges the heart, like that's taught in the Old Testament. So, you know, just like Dennis Prager trying to, uh, you know, say what the, you know, the, the Jews had much lower, you know, complicated laws and God doesn't judge the heart. He judges our actions. That's not true. That's not true in the Old Testament. And that's certainly not true in the New Testament either. But God has the same standard, I, I believe, in each each testament. I don't think God changes. You don't think he cha- you don't think he changes per dispensation? No, I don't. In the Old Testament, you can obey the Ten Commandments, and at the end of the day, you feel like you are a good saint. But in the New Testament, God doesn't give us a list of do's and don'ts, essentially, or a whole bunch of laws. He says the law is written on your heart. And he says, I'm going to give you two of them, love God and love your neighbor. And so that way, even though it's less complicated, it's much more demanding because it's a whole lot more difficult at the end of the day to check off those two boxes and say, I've loved God with all of my heart and I've loved all of my neighbors. And so I don't believe that Stanley is saying that there is no value at all in the Old Testament. I believe what he's saying is that there is a new covenant and therefore God relates to his people in a new way. For instance, if somebody in the church is caught in adultery, we don't look to the Old Testament as uh, it relates to what we should do or instructions on how to handle that person. Because if that was the case, half the people in the church would have to be stoned right now. Yet, Western civilization used to punish adultery. I mean, technically, in America today, there's like 18 states that have laws on the books against adultery. They're on the books. It's it's generally considered a misdemeanor, but they... They have the, the state has the right to punish adultery, and that is in the common law tradition. So he's wrong. Second of all, the law was always written on the hearts of man. That's not a New Testament phenomenon. Well, but the, again, you're the Old Testament, uh, Jeremiah does point to the law being written on our heart. It does, you know, point to, you know, Jesus basically but, upending the Jewish religion as they knew it. But I mean, it does point to that. But I mean, murder didn't become a sin because Moses came down from Mount Sinai. It was a sin when in Genesis right. 4. And, the, As was yeah, Roman, and Romans talks about the conscious. And if you have the law, then the law will condemn you. But if you don't have the law, then you're condemned anyway, basically by your own conscience. So... We don't look to the Old Testament for our instruction. No, the church looks to the New Testament in terms of how to deal with somebody who may Again, be caught that's... in adultery. But I don't believe we can take these sound bites from Andy Stanley and suggest that he's a false teacher because he is saying that the Old Testament doesn't have any value. So loving your neighbor as yourself, you wouldn't look to the Old Testament to see how to do that, especially when Jesus is quoting Leviticus 19. You wouldn't look to Leviticus 19 to understand what loving your neighbor as yourself means. I mean, that's why that's why this video is just it's half of a Bible verse. Yes. What's the other half say? I mean, again, Jesus quotes Deuteronomy to Satan in the desert. The thou shalt not test the Lord. Uh, refers what? back to Genesis on, on discussing marriage and divorce. I mean, how we fulfill the first greatest and the second greatest commandment. We learn from the Old Testament. We can learn from the New Testament as well, but the Old Testament's bigger. Well, keep in mind the Greeks had the Septuagint, which was the scripture. Right. So in the first century, I mean, Paul's probably honored in heaven finding that his epistles are considered holy scripture. 
Right. And he probably did not even imagine, even though he knew his words were authoritative. And I think there's there's probably I think there's a verse somewhere. Andrew makes a good point in the chat. He says, sadly, that's because so few people have read the whole Bible. And but I mean, they it's hard to read the whole Bible because there's definitely areas where people get caught up. But but in the first it should be a goal for every believer to read the entire Bible. I mean, but in the first century, they only really had the Old Testament widely available. Right. They didn't have the New Testament widely available, but, you know, they still had the ability to live a godly life based on the scripture that they did have. Because yes. scripture is coherent like that. I just don't believe that's what he was really actually trying to communicate whenever he said this. So is Andy Stanley a false teacher? I'm going to have to say no. I don't believe he's a false teacher. Oh, so he's not reserving judgment why there. People say no. that he is. Next up on the list is number five, Tim Mackey, the lead narrator at the Bible Project YouTube channel, which has over 2 million subscribers. But don't forget, we got number yeah. six, and number six is going to shock you. So stick around to the end of the video. Now, over the past few years, Tim's views on some very significant theological topics have come into question. Here's a clip. So I'm going to take a guess here. Is he going to say yes and throw the discernment no. bloggers? A no. Okay. Spoiler alert. He does not say any of these teachers are false teachers. And again, Spoiler just alert. a reminder, the sixth teacher is himself. Of him describing hell. If you look at the first sentence of the Bible, it says, In the beginning, God made heavens and... What does it not say? It doesn't say, in the beginning, God made heaven and earth and hell. Is that really what his voice sounds like? God didn't make In the Bible project, is, yes. God didn't make it. It's nowhere to be found on page one. This is 1.25 speed. What God made still. is heaven and earth. And what does God think about it? It's, it's very good. It's very good. So whatever hell is, it comes into the story later. And okay. if you're familiar with the story, how it works, hell or evil, or sin, the various names that it's called in the Bible, is something that humans have created by our decision to seize autonomy from God. Now, I personally do not agree with Tim Mackey on this. I don't believe that hell is just some place that we as humans have created. I don't believe that hell is uh, synonymous with evil or sin in the Bible. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where uh, the scriptures are equating sin with hell or evil with hell. I also believe that Jesus was very clear in Matthew 25, 41, that hell was a place that was prepared for the devil and his angels, not necessarily something that we have created. So I don't necessarily agree with Tim Mackey's position or what seems to be on the surface, his position on hell. Tim Mackey has also been largely criticized for not discussing the idea that Jesus' death on the cross was a propitiation for- I actually want to touch on the hell part a little bit more uh, because one of the things that people, people try to get very creative with the doctrine of hell uh, and I kind of view hell as like the holding cell before, you know, lake of fire and stuff like that. But the idea that you know, we uh, created hell, which is what Tim Mackey was articulating. That That's false. The idea that hell is uh, locked from the inside, that's false. Uh, they're sentenced there. God puts people to hell. God's the you know judge, jury, and executioner, and Jesus is our defense lawyer. If you have Jesus, if you're pro se, then you're screwed. But if you got Jesus, then you're in. So... Yeah, I mean, this one, I mean, keep in mind what he did on this one, like he basically just reduces this to a secondary issue. 
for sin, which is the idea that when Jesus died, he didn't just die to pay a debt, but rather he satisfied the wrath of God by offering up his life on the cross as a payment for our sin. So once again, uh, is this enough to label Tim Mackey as a false teacher? Um, I'm going to reserve that to a little bit later on in this video. And finally, number six on this list, a well-known Bible teacher that has been criticized as being a false teacher is... You guessed it, yours truly, Alan Parr. Because if you go over to the YouTube search bar and you type in Alan Parr space F, you will see people who have made videos about... Like, what else is supposed to come after F? Seriously, like, his metric for getting these teachers this is just a video of him wanting to defend his homeboys right i don't even know it's clickbait it's i mean obviously he has himself at the end to like be... john MacArthur f this false teacher not come up uh i'm trying to think of yeah todd uh no not Brody bockham false Brody bockham yeah f like this false teacher not come up uh, Tom Askell, F, if he's large enough. Does false teacher not come up? I, I'm curious. Now, keep in mind, this video... What I else is supposed to come after F? I mean, this video didn't come up when I searched, like, Alan Parr. It was it was just the Jordan Riley one as far as the ones that weren't Alan Parr's channel. Like, it would be that one, Tim Hurd. Uh, maybe Fight for Truth came up, Bible Treasure came up, but, like... But this is, to me, him defending his homies. That's how I view this. Me, Alan Parr, claiming that I am a false teacher. And most of the videos that they make are surrounding the idea of eternal security or once saved, always saved. And people will claim that I am literally leading people to hell because I'm too soft on sin and that I believe that people can just live any kind of way they want to. They can sin, they can be whatever they want to do, and they can go to heaven and there's no accountability. Anybody who's watching my videos for any length of time knows that that is not my position. I am really hard on sin. I talk about sin all the time. And I think what they are doing is they are misunderstanding the doctrine of eternal security. I have several videos on my YouTube channel where I talk about that. But if you are going to label Alan Parr as a false teacher for being a proponent or a teacher of eternal security, then you're going to have to go down the list and you're going to have to label Dr. Tony Evans, Dr. Charles Swindoll, Dr. David Jeremiah. Dr. Uh, it doesn't come up for Tom Askell, just for the record. I don't think he's big enough, but that's just me. He's big in like Southern Baptist outsider circles. But again, I mean, David Jeremiah, I did write about David Jeremiah, but again, but I mean, who's actually hardcore Disby? Who's actually criticizing him for this? I imagine they're Arminians. Yeah. But it's, it's not Reformed camp that's doing that to him. Dr. Charles Stanley, Paul Washer, Vody Bauckham, Todd Friel, and John MacArthur, all as being false teachers because all of us teach the doctrine of eternal security. And I would disagree because I think that eternal security is a slightly different than perseverance of the saints. No, fair, fair enough. I mean, I don't, I don't actually, I think he doesn't that, actually explain his view. On I think the mantra. I know, but I feel like he probably teaches once saved, always saved, and then extrapolates that position to everyone else because I don't call my position eternal security. I mean, that would be my position under the category of eternal security, but I don't, you know, I don't call that position eternal security. I call it perseverance of the saints.
I, I think that's slightly different because it talks about how a saint finishes. Uh, I don't think, you know, once saved, always saved is a. That's a, the idea of using. I think sports. actually the Arminian position is better than that. I mean, is it just the idea of using a slogan? Yeah, maybe, but I I don't know whether that's his view or not on this issue. But I'm like I'm yeah. I mean, he doesn't say that he listed would not agree with once saved, always saved as a mantra instead of the more Calvinist position. You'd also have to wipe out about probably sixty to eighty percent of the world's best Bible teachers and scholars who hold to this view of eternal security. Now, with all of that being said. This is what I want to talk about in this video. Hopefully you're still with I'll me. pause it. Are all these people... So, okay, so Jordan Riley... The final would, conclusion. Yes, the, the final conclusion is probably what, what has this video quoted most, but right now you've seen the entire context. Like, and the context makes things worse. So this is the sound bites that are coming up as far as the money, the money shots. So this is the part that's quoted the most. Yes, that's coming up. False teachers. Listen, I believe that our focus is off. Instead of trying to come up with a list of so many people who are false teachers and who are not false teachers, we should be spending more of our time trying to gird ourselves up to figure out what is true teaching and what is false teaching. That way, my friend, you have the freedom to be able to listen to whoever you want to because whenever you do listen to Stephen Furtick, whenever you do listen to Tim Mackey, whenever you do listen to Alan Parr, whenever you do listen to Andy Stanley or John Piper, you will be able to say, okay, you know what? Wow, I agree with most of what they're saying and I got value from that, but I disagree right here. But the, the fallacy in labeling somebody a false teacher, which is the reason why we have to be very careful, is that you may be blocking somebody else's blessing because in your attempt to try to keep them from consuming false teaching, you may also be keeping them from consuming a lot of true teaching from that particular individual. Because every single piece person that I mentioned on this list, they have some very, very great Bible teaching. So by labeling no, somebody a false don't. teacher, what you're basically trying to tell people is there is no good, there is no value that they can add to this person's life. And so therefore you shouldn't listen to them at all. I mean, you need to throw all of Stephen Furtick's sermons out. You need yes. to throw all of Andy Stanley's sermons out. Yes. You need to unsubscribe from Alan Parr's channel. You need to Probably. just throw everything that John Piper has ever said because there's absolutely no good that can come from this person. You're best off doing that because John Piper's, you know, what John Piper's known for is Christian hedonism, being woke, and not killing rapists. Well, that's keep what in mind. John Piper's known for. The other assertion that's in this is that, you know, wow. God needs these people to save save his church. Okay, like is he going to make that argument right now? He just did. He just did. Well, he's about so let's to talk really about, go there. But uh, Okay, let, because let's talk about what he said right now. He is basically talking... Here's the economic concept that just destroys his argument, and that's called opportunity cost. You know, if you're listening to Stephen Furtick, who are, you know, that's time spent. You could be listening to a much more sound teacher. John MacArthur. Uh, yeah, you called him unqualified, just to put that. And thus, Stephen Furtick wrote a book called Unqualified in response to John MacArthur. And you could be listening to a much more sound teacher. If you're listening to uh, Joel Osteen, you could be listening to a much more sound teacher. There is opportunity cost because time is finite. So all these people that are going to, you know, pop psychology, narcissetical teachers could actually be getting sound biblical teaching from a valid teacher. You know, some of the ones he's mentioned here are valid teachers, but in passing. <laughs> uh, instead, they're going to these false teachers 
and trying to glean good things out of it when they don't know they don't have the discernment not to watch those people who are false teachers. The other thing we got to point out is the Bible says mark and avoid. And we see that in Deuteronomy chapter 13. This is one of the chapters on discernment in the Bible in the Old Testament specifically. Uh, it talks about false prophets and their prophecies coming true. But then one day the false prophet says, let us serve another God. And you were to stone him. You were to stone that false prophet, basically. You are not to follow them into apostasy. And that's what false teachers do. A lot of them will teach true things. And then one day they're going to get worse. And that is, again, one of the markers of a false teacher. They don't get sanctified. So they get worse over time. They are decaying. They are not salt. They are not light. They're getting worse over time. And therefore, as Christians get sanctified over time, these false teachers get worse over time. And that's where you get to see, you know, teachers going downhill in their lives. Like that's evidence of a false teacher. Tim Keller, his last few years are evidence of him being a false teacher because of how downhill he has become. And John Piper, I, I think the same thing. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else is really old, but Robbie Zacharias, that's actually a really good example. Uh, you know, 20 years ago, it would have been, okay, there's like a couple warning signs about him. And then he's embracing, and then, you know, a decade later, he's embracing Sam Albury. And then this dude, you know, likes to rub and tug at the massage parlors, which he bought, which is pretty strange. No Christian should be buying. I mean, he's the Sean no Christian minister should be he's buying. Sean Watson with better uh, etiquette. Yes, apparently. And he pays the women quite handsomely. So that's what Rob, Robbie Zacharias did. And that was after he had a texting affair, you know. He, you know, he with was another sent with another pastor's wife, even where he was getting her to send him nudes and stuff. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of false teachers get worse over time. So they continue to listen to false teachers who will then get worse over time. And then you have the opportunity cost of which you could be listening to good teachers. This is an insane waste of time that Alan Parr is advocating. And I think that is just a fallacy. Instead, we should be focused on building people up so that they can uh, uh, really know what a true dollar bill looks like by studying the true dollar bill instead of trying to study or figure out or discern all these different uh, false counterfeit dollar bills so we can say this person's a false teacher, that person's a false teacher, that person's a false teacher. You don't, when you have discernment and you know the word of God and you have sound doctrine, you don't need a list of false teachers. You can be free to listen to whoever you want. And while you're listening to them, you eat the meat and spit out the fat because there's going to be some good things that these people teach that you're like, wow, praise God, that blessed my life today. And then there's going to be some other things where your discerning ears will be at, wait a second, I'm not sure if I agree with that, but you know what? I can get value out of this. So if you don't get anything else out of this video, just be careful of labeling people as false teachers instead focus your time on understanding what true doctrine really is so if you want to point out certain false teachings that people have been guilty of promoting like i do on my channel then by all means go ahead but be very very careful my friend when you take somebody who agrees with all of the major tenets of the christian faith and you label them as a false teacher because you very well may be hindering somebody else from receiving a blessing in your effort to try to block them from receiving something false. So I would love to hear your thoughts. I know this was controversial. I know this is a long video. Now keep in mind, you're blocking someone's blessing. As it like, I mean, he's misremembering or forgetting that God does the saving. 
not man. He's basically inferring that God's using, God needs these false teachers to save his church. I mean, he's saving people. He could be saving people in Hillsong, but it's not because of Bill, uh, Brian Houston, Brian Houston, or the other guy. It's in spite of them. Exactly. I think that's very much true. Uh, God can use false teachers because the gospel saves, the preaching of the word saves. And if some, if the false teacher eventually wants to do a bait and switch, the saved person doesn't follow them. But I mean, I mean, blocking someone's blessing again, that's a very charismatic uh, or maybe new, new apostolic. uh, Yeah, that's a very cringe view of blessing from God. But again, you're, yeah, but if the blessing is coming from God to you, you're going to receive it, whether regardless of how it's delivered, you will receive it because God intends for you to receive it. But, but obviously the big money shot is the eat, eat the meat, spit out the fat. That's the quote that he gets. That's the quote Alan Parr gets uh, cited on a lot. So if you just want, I mean, in its context, it's pretty bad. Where, where's the meat in an Andy Stanley sermon? Yeah. Better yet, where's the meat in the Stephen Furtick sermon? Like, does he not know who he was just talking about? And Francis Chan always sounds so constipated. Where is the meat? So but basically, he's saying it's okay to listen to false teachers and it's permissible, provided you eat the meat and spit out the fat. But if you don't even know what's what, because again, if you're listening to Stephen Furtick, you don't know what's meat and you don't know what's fat. And to use uh, Jordan Riley's uh, illustration, he used, he had the glass of water holding it up and basically saying there's a drop of poison in this in this water. Would you still drink it? Because again, the poison's invisible. The water is clear. You can't tell if it's been diluted with poison. And that's the illustration he uses. But and when Jordan Riley cites the eat the meat, spit out the fat. And I know I've, I know I've seen that in another video on Alan Parr, but like, again, that's not good teaching. That's not what the Bible instructs because mark again, and avoid is mark what the and Bible avoid. instructs. Don't associate. So, and, and again, he is reducing like, and I, this is in the article, Andy Stanley's uh, pro homosexual antinomianism is not the same as RC Sproul being a pedo Baptist post millennial. Again, it's he's, not. He's compared. He he reduces a lot of things to secondary issues, including the teaching on hell by Tim Mackey. I think the exact finite details of hell, but what Tim Mackey did was beyond that. Uh, that was that to me was insane. Uh, well, I think that wraps up our uh, conclusion. Although, do you want to bring up the Eric Mason part? I mean, the Eric Mason part is uh, like an hour or 40-ish minute video, but it is basically Alan. I mean, it's about Alan Parr and his basically his support for critical race theory. Um, So let's let's just let me ask you this. If people were to say that Alan Parr was a false teacher, what would be the steel man argument for that? Because it's not eternal security. I mean, obviously, I think social justice would be one that he does advocate a social justice gospel. And again, using Eric Mason woke church is pretty definitive. The fact that you affirm his his uh, theology, you don't call him out for calling out or you don't call him out for Eric Mason's racism 
Um, I mean, you could argue he did some false teaching in how he inserts, I guess, he inserts Pop psychology. that, but I, I'm talking about in that, in the video we just watched, he basically inserts arguments to defend false teaching. Like he inserts the context for Andy Stanley and Stephen Furtick. But this, I mean, liberalism would probably be the number one. Um, what, he's a theistic evolutionist? I don't know on that one. But it wouldn't be eternal security. No. And I, mean, I don't, he is, he is like some people are heavily against, uh, he's egalitarian, that would, yes. that would fall under liberalism. Uh, and I'm a little bit more lenient if he grew up egalitarian than if he were, say, Beth Moore, who was Southern Baptist, but then went, you know, I mean, I don't think Dallas Theological Seminary is. I don't think they are either. They're the Harvard of Bible seminaries, apparently. Which is, uh, again, there's, a f you know, there's some good teachers that came out of Dallas, but there's some pretty notable not-so-good teachers that came out of Dallas Theological Seminary. Uh, Andy Stanley and Tony Evans being... Uh, most pressing on my mind because Tony Evans, I do think is a false teacher. And I've talked about that on this channel and because he holds an unorthodox view of salvation. That is, you know, that it turns dispensationalism into a soteriology and his third way into heaven nonsense. So I don't get that quite at all. Uh, any other comments, questions in the chat? And we're going to do issue a last call. Now, I guess one thing I'll say is uh, make sure you read the article. There's more there as far as uh, how he had his takes on Mike Todd and John MacArthur, again, arriving very late to the Mike Todd party with concerns. And this was this year he did a Mike Todd video, but a lot of his concerns existed in May of 2021 when he critiqued these five teachers. So you're not breaking any new ground on Mike Todd. It's just that the Everton window has shifted against Mike Todd. Mike Todd, I believe, has 2 million subs. Uh, the, other, the most the, watched video this year on the Evangelical Dark Web channel, I don't, maybe not, might not be the most watched, but it, it will be because it's getting a lot of views and it's still maintaining, it's still riding, is the one on Charles Metcalf at Mike Todd's church, the cross-dressing pastor. And, you know, so many people in the comment section want to say he's not wearing women's clothes and it's like, he ain't wearing men's clothes. So, and the other thing I put is, uh, like the I'm gonna teacher, have to crocodile Dundee that you know, those people like the teacher he goes hardest on is probably John MacArthur. And I kind of include that in the article because he believes the Julie Royce narratives. Uh, he critiqued John MacArthur on the go home, uh, Beth Moore comment. So, which was based at the time. So, he is most critical of John MacArthur. And I even cite at the very end, he morally equivalent equivocates on whether it's permissible for a pastor to own a private jet really that's yes uh innovation hq asked uh did you discuss alan parr affirming the faith of heretical youtuber marcus rogers we I discussed mentioned that mentioned you want to elaborate more on who marcus rogers is and my understanding is he's non-trinitarian um okay this does ring a bell Again, another, I don't, I don't want to say it's like a black privilege thing, but come on now. 
Eric Mason. I mean, again, he affirms a lot of false teaching. So I would say that. I don't does, know what race Stephen Furtick is, if that's related. But he he does affirm a lot of false teaching. That would be part of a steel man argument, because again, Andy I Stanley is low hanging fruit at this point. It's kind of like Romans one verse thirty one, I believe. You know, you know, you give hearty approval to those who do evil, and it talks about that. He's giving hearty approval to those who are false teachers. I'm not sure how much how strong his disagreements with Marcus Rogers is. I didn't I I didn't watch that one. I watched the Eric Mason one where he basically gives Eric Mason a pass on racism, on liberalism, on his definition of woke. He's a freaking bobblehead for Eric Mason. And, and the conclusion I do have, I'll just go ahead and read it. Um, in essence, uh, this makes him a gatekeeper to actual discernment for his audience, because sooner or later said discernment ministries would turn their audience or turn their sites on a on a woke million subscriber channel who defends numerous false teachers and advocates critical race theory. He might smile and speak in a calm and dare say winsome voice, but he has no problem bragging about the size of his platform while suggesting any attacks against him are by those seeking algorithmic attention. So again, I don't necessarily declare him a false teacher per se, but I think he's a terrible teacher. He's just bad is what you're saying. And from his explaining of scripture that we saw him do, I don't like, he basically said that if you focus on like net, he basically made a positive energy, negative energy argument. So again, with regards you, to the Christian life, which he didn't is, get a million subscribers by doing hard truths. Well, yeah. Uh, I don't know how you can, uh, you know, how you don't get an active strike every once in a while or something. Uh, I think that's uh, it for tonight. I do want to let you know, uh, Evangelical Dark Web is a discernment blog, if you want to use a derogatory term. But I like to refer to it as more as a Christian news gathering and commentary ministry because we need more news gathering. Not as much commentary, but we still do a lot of commentary. Uh, and you can support us over at evangelicaldarkweb.org slash join. That's our Patreon-like system that gets you more access to more benefits. Uh and uh, the least you can do is subs- like this video, subscribe to the channel, subscribe to the podcast if you are new. And uh, either way, in any case, if you're not subscribed to the newsletter, you should do that. The Evangelical Dark Web newsletter is completely free. Uh, it gives you Christian news, bypassing big tech censorship and algorithm in your inbox each and every morning. Uh, and you can uh, stay ahead. There's more articles than there are videos and uh, podcasts and other stuff like that, because, you know, that's, it, it takes more effort to make a video than it does to write an article sometimes. So, uh, there's more, so get more content and it's pretty much all free unless you're a supporter at evangelicaldarkweb.org slash join. Other than that, have a blessed day and we'll catch you on the next live stream. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at bet mgm 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.